California Supreme Court rules in favor of bad Yelp reviews. San Francisco's appalling street life repels residents. And California enacts a soda tax. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. What's up, guys? Gentlemen. Getting ready to burn it all down right now. How are you? That's Bobby for you. (laughs) Another week down, a lot more stories. In our beautiful state of California. It never like stops. I feel like we're always catching up. Like there's always so much stuff going on and we're like always behind on it. And we just got to ram it all in. We, we were just having this conversation uh, before we, we started recording here, Bobby and I. About we were ramming t- it? No, no. Uh, but about bills. We were talking about the fact that it's actually kind of funny that we were looking for websites, trying to find recent bills that are coming out, how to keep track of them. Right. And you just start to notice part of the problem is this it, stuff is coming so quickly and there's so many bills, which I look at Bobby and I say, hey, how about, did they ever think about a timeout? Maybe we press the pause button. But no, it's because of the speed of these bills, which is why we have content for this show. Yeah, I was trying to think of a cool way to announce on the episodes, track what's coming up in the mm. coming week. And it's pretty impossible unless you know exactly what you're looking for and you search for it specifically. Yeah, the legislature is going to be in session before they, they're going to come. They're going to ram in some bills, and then they're going to bust out of here and see you next time. And they're going to go uh, campaign, and we'll see who we have in the next legislature. Probably the same people again, because that's the way we do a thing. And then you scratch your head wondering, well, what if they didn't ram in a bunch of those bills? And the fact of the matter is it probably would be just the same. So, right. <laughs> oh, well. Be less costly. Well, be a better all around in right. a lot of ways. But yeah, that's what we continue to talk about on these podcasts. John, take us to our first topic. The first topic is, again, California specific. The California Supreme Court rules in favor of bad Yelp reviews. So I know, Louie, you, 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 we were talking about this um, even a couple of weeks ago, but let me give you a little background uh, on what happened here. So I guess in 2013, uh, there was a, a lawsuit, Don Hassel brought a lawsuit and accused a client um, that she briefly represented le- in, in legal terms. She represented this client and um, in a personal injury case. And this client defamed her on Yelp by falsely claiming that the firm failed to communicate with the client. Okay, so essentially, long story short, bad review. Um, Don Hassel didn't like that, uh, took him to court. But the, so the San Francisco Superior Court Judge Donald Sullivan found the online statements defamatory and ordered the client and Yelp to remove them. Well, then this goes to the California Supreme Court. And Hassel said the client failed to answer her lawsuit or remove the post, so she had to, again, seek court order demanding Yelp do it, California Supreme Court. They ruled 4-3, uh, saying the removal orders, quote, could interfere with and undermine the viability of an online platform. So I think, in essence, what they're saying is the, these reviews are critical to the ongoing business and what Yelp is technically all about. So by removing defamatory... Uh, well, I think you're missing the point. It's offensive speech, so therefore it must be banned. Well, well right. I mean, that's sure. obviously what this what Don Hassel... That's exactly what he's writing, right? yeah. 
Well, the problem that we're, of course, dealing with is that Yelp and other social media platforms are their own business and they have their business models and they're allowed to do these wonderful things. Now, obviously, when it comes to the issue of free speech, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. It's something you can't do. You're held liable for those things, but you cannot say that unless there's actually a fire. Right. And so... I have a lot of experience with this as a digital marketer. I have a lot of clients that want to scrub bad reviews from their Yelp. You read Yelp a lot of times and you'll see like a hamburger joint get a one star from a vegan. And you're like, why did you even go on there to leave it? And I think the problem with Yelp too is there's a social media aspect of it where people want to see how many reviews they can write. Like everybody's a food critic. Oh, I see. And so you just start piling up reviews. And you'll see, you know, in general on the internet, more people go there to complain than they do to write up a positive review. So part of that also strikes me as life in general, right? It, it is. It, yeah. And you get that in a lot of message forums. Like if you belong to any, uh, like the big one is car forums. So like you'll go on to say the Ford trucks form and you'll say, oh my God, all these people have a problem with, a, with Ford trucks, but they're going there to find help for a problem to begin with. Okay. So there's a skew. Like nobody goes and says, hey, my truck's awesome. And it's the same way with businesses unless they're actively kind of soliciting to get people to leave positive reviews. So, you know, businesses might say, hey, Please write about your interaction with us and, and go on there and leave a review. I think uh, what's interesting is Yelp has maintained the position that they're just simply a website that facilitates reviews. They don't control the content, and the content is ultimately the reviewer's responsibility. And it's almost the same kind of stance Uber takes, is that, hey, we're just a software company that facilitates independent contractors picking up people who need a ride. We're not an employer. We're a software company, not a transportation company. And that's how they've been getting by in court. And I think Yelp, uh, Google, Facebook reviews, everywhere you can leave a review, that's their stance. We're not, we're not guilty of being liable or slanderous because we're not leaving the review. We're simply right. just a depository for other people to leave a review. But why do people care what other non-professional uh, critics are writing about restaurants and uh, car dealerships and what have you. Why do they care? I mean, why do people care what anybody ever thinks? Exactly. I mean, I you know, I Yelp's gotten way bigger than I think anybody ever would have thought. And a lot of people go to Yelp to figure out where they want to eat, especially when you're in a new area, something like that. And, I mean, we've seen Yelp even go as far as people will get slammed in negative reviews for a completely unrelated matter, right? Somebody will, like a, there was a dentist a year or two ago who went on a big hunt, big game safari hunt, killed that tiger, oh, Cecil that. the tiger or yes. the lion. Yes. And he was a dentist or whatever. Yes. And then yes. his dentist practice got slammed on Yelp into one star oblivion from people who just were pissed off about the big game hunt. Same with a pizza parlor, I think, in, I think it was Minnesota, something like that. Right. Politically charged. They denied somebody or I forget what, but but same deal, right? They just got totally taken down. Well, it, it, Yelp has these uh, automated filters that will filter reviews. And if you look at a Yelp review and you go all the way down, there's a tiny little link that says, hey, here's some reviews that are not factoring into the score. Uh, you can read them if you'd like. You're on a whole different page. And their automated system I've seen a lot of cases blocks legitimate reviews while bad reviews stay on there. The other thing I think is the problem. I know you want to get a point here, Bobby. The other thing I think is a big problem is Yelp 
advertises. They sell advertising space. And I've had multiple times where it's like, hey, if you their their advertising sales agents are extremely pushy, and you almost get the idea that you can be helped out a little bit if you start spending money on advertising. You mean you might otherwise have a bad review come in, but if you spend money with us on advertising, that review may not really show up. Suddenly, they might disappear. Oh, God. well, let me. They follow- can't. They they uh, don't say that. Of course, but that's kind of the. Of course, let me follow up with that is and ask you. Uh, can I get removed from being Yelp reviewed? No. Yeah. Well, so you have yeah. no choice. Well, what the hell? I mean, I'm a private company and I'm getting all this bad publicity. I'm Cecil the Lion Killer. Okay. Right. Obviously, I want to take my name off of there so people will stop, you know, bombarding me with. They're not even customers of mine. They've never been in there. They're only there to be uh, detractors. Exactly. There's no. So there's no process. If you, if you, if there's a review that says something, let's go back to the burger joint. The vegan burger was horrible. And I don't even, let's say, I don't even serve a vegan burger. You can't, there's no process to go through to get that review verified that it's false and removed. You can go through their kind of review, the review review process, if you will, and see if it violates uh, like the terms of service or something. Maybe I've I've successfully been able to get reviews removed for clients that violate obvious violation terms of service, use profanity, was just clearly in bad faith or was just a complete lie altogether. You'll see like in the case of the dentist and and the lion, they, they will put a disclaimer up that says, Hey, this page has started to receive a lot of traffic due to being in the news for whatever reason. And they're actively trying to scrub it, but it's impossible to get good stuff. It's, it's impossible to scrub it completely accurately. First of all. And second of all, you don't have a choice whether your business appears or not. Anybody can go start, a Yelp page for a business. And then you'll see that they'll encourage you, hey, it'll say this business has not been claimed. Log on and go through the process to claim it as your own. And then, but all you do is you can then brand it up a little bit and get into their advertising platform, mm. which is ultimately where they want you. Sure. Right? That's their revenue stream. That's the revenue stream, right? People will say that all like, They'll come out. I've heard from a lot of companies that say have five star reviews, and they're like, "Well, I don't need to advertise on Yelp. I already have a million reviews, and they're all good, and I have five stars." And Yelp makes money off bad reviews. I mean, all these sites make money off bad reviews. Like good reviews doesn't make anybody money. I mean, I make the business money, obviously. But sure, Yelp though. No. Yelp survives off bad reviews. I mean, that's you go there to read the bad reviews. And the bad reviews are ultimately what turn you off. You might have a bunch of good reviews and you read one bad one that says they found cockroaches last week. That could be true or not. Who knows? You know, you you were just pissed off at the way service went for whatever reason. The customer might have been completely wrong, but they're going to sit there and go leave a bad review and you can't do anything about it. Because it's your word versus theirs and the customer is always right with Yelp for the most part. So what would you guys... Taking it in a slightly different direction, then would you guys say there's a problem with this, with this ruling? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, to Bobby's point, right? It's free, it's free speech to some degree. But I mean, I'm hearing a little bit of what you're saying is that it's you're allowed to, but at the same time, what there's a permanency to it. There's an, it's almost an advertising of it. It's not paid advertising to Yelp, but by me putting up a bad review, it's there now, unremovable. 
almost like a blinking light for anybody that comes. And that's different than me on a sidewalk looking at Bobby and saying, hey, I don't like you. No one else heard that, all that. Twitter had a bad problem with this a long time ago. Well, I guess it's not so long ago. We're talking in social media years. But they had a problem with uh, the bad bots. You know, there a lot of people Russian bots, (laughs) Russian bots, but they had uh, a lot of problems with people just being jerks on Twitter. Surprise, surprise. Right. And so they went through an effort of getting rid of a whole lot of uh, bad people. And what they found out, I think, Louis, you talked about this last time, is they found out it was uh, a handful of people, but they had those bots. So it kept um, uh, giving terrible uh defamatory right. things on Twitter and they had an effort to clean it all up. And I went through the archives and I saw that Charles Johnson sued Twitter early this year over his ban from the site of Twitter in 2015 when he sent a tweet asking for help to take out a high profile black lives matter activist. Uh, the superior court of California in Fresno granted Twitter's motion to dismiss the lawsuit. So Twitter was in its right to ban this person, okay, well, like they've done before in the past. But when it comes to Yelp, they like, like Louis was saying, they like the fact that they're getting bad reviews and they keep posting it out there. They keep getting the publicity. Now, it's probably the same people over and over again who are giving bad reviews. They go from one restaurant to the next, bingo, bango, and they keep saying, oh, hey, uh, this place was terrible. The waitstaff was awful. Uh, it took a whole five minutes for me to get a glass of water. Right. And you know what's interesting, too, and kind of the ancillary. God, you could get into Google, too. Google Reviews has the same issue. Yelp is a very high authoritative website in the web world. And so usually if you do a search on Google for a business, Yelp's going to be one of the first few definitely search results that pops up. The other, the other business that had kind of has the same problem going on is ripoff reports. I don't know if you guys have ever seen ripoffreports.com. I have seen that. So the guy who runs that site, nobody can find him. He lives like on an island overseas and he's been evading the law and he does it basically remotely. Ripoff reports is like carries some of the highest domain authority on Google. And if you, you anybody can file a ripoff report on anybody. And the fact that you're tied to ripoff report is ultimately going to really hurt your business. And the site's ridiculously optimized to be high ranking. And it's almost impossible to get those pages deleted. In fact, they have a whole legal section about how we're not going to delete it tough. And they can't find this guy. He's is overseas. He, so he's like a pirate. Is he going to be like McAfee's vice presidential kind pick? Of, kind yeah. of the same deal, right? <laughs> so all these sites have the same problem where they, they tarnish your reputation online and you have zero recourse. As a business owner, unless you, that's some obvious blatant violation of the toss statement on Yelp, there's no way to get it scrubbed and there's no way to take authority of it. And it could be false and not even true. And there's zero way, zero recourse. And they secure the the anonymity of the reviewer. The tricky line, I'm sitting here just thinking about this issue. The tricky line for me is where is that line? Bobby, you, you alluded to it earlier. Where is that line of, I, I hear everything you're saying, Louis, but... I don't have to go to Yelp and read the reviews. I'm only giving the reviews on Yelp as much authority as I choose to. I could talk to a friend or in person or maybe they've been, et cetera. You know, there's somewhere in there is that 
Is that? I don't know if I agree with this. But you know what I mean, though. I, I you think, can at least see my point. No, right? I know. I I do see your point. I think it's the ultra. I'm not going to say libertarian, but the ultra takes self responsibility part. No, I would agree. Right. It's definitely. I, I think the issue that, is that that side of it. I have no choice whether I'm up there or not, and people can be libelous, mm-hmm. and I have no control over it at all. Like I don't know where else in life that works where. I can have a business. I can be listed in a directory. I have. One, I don't want anything to do with, and people can leave anonymous, negative reviews that affect my bottom line. Like I don't know how that's productive. Right. Like even with the old yellow pages, you can take your name out of the. Right. Of the book. And, and and I think the hard part is that free market principles. I think that Yelp should be able to dictate if a business is truly bad, and then the market will dictate if that business survives, right? The market forces then get to let things live and die versus the hand of the government. But in this case, it could be completely false and a complete lie, and you have zero control over it. Yeah, and to that point, you know, going back to free market principles, the free market works best, right, and most efficiently when there is the most dissemination of information and ideally true information so that, that the consumer can make the most rational decision to them that they can based, again, though, on that information being true. Right. I, I think that's the ultimate problem. There's no, no way to validate fair. it. There's no check and balance on it. There's no recourse for the business owner. And you don't even get to decide whether you're listed or not. It seems kind of like a rigged game with a business that has a vested interest in you spending money with them. So, okay, you can wave a magic wand. I mean, you, you obviously have the most experience or, or behind the scenes with this issue. You can wave a magic wand. What's the first couple of steps that you do to, to try and go down the road of improving this? What do you, uh, to, well, yeah, well, what should, what could, it, I mean, if you have the magic wand again. Well, it's to make, funny because it's, it's, we're talking about like the California Consumer Privacy Act where the right to tell a business not to share or sell your personal information. Granted, you're out there in the public, but still, you have a right to say, no, I, I don't want you to, to reproduce my brand name under your brand name where you make money and I don't. Here's, here's where I've got into, into it with Yelp. And I've spoken with their customer service reps at length about this when they call and they try to get my own business to advertise with them on anything, whether it's Facebook, Google AdWords, any of the big platforms where you advertise. There's always a way to add some tracking code that can count the conversion and then and then tie it to the advertising mechanism. So, for instance, there's a Facebook pixel on my, on my site. You come to my website via a Facebook ad. You fill out our contact form, and I can see on the dashboard, hey, this advertisement led to this person giving me their information or purchasing this product. Great. I look at those numbers, and I say, hey, Facebook led to 500 sales last month. Great. I will put more money into Facebook. I can attribute it. There's no attribution model with Yelp. There's no way, there's no tracking code they give you. All they can show you is data on how many people clicked your Yelp link and went to your website. But after that, they could have become nothing. And the fact that they're one of the biggest, I guess, social sites, and they don't give business owners a way to even track whether there's success using Yelp as an advertiser has always given me like a red flag because why wouldn't you want people to know to be able to attribute it to your model, either your model sucks and you don't think that many people actually convert from your website or they always hide it and they cloak it in the, well, we're anonymous. 
Yeah, so what what there, is their angle, do you think? Well, there's nothing anonymous. There's nothing less anonymous with the other people, right? All I know is that X amount of people converted on my website. I don't know who specifically, you know, and, and Yelp, it doesn't ruin the anonymity of it, any of it. But oh, right. They don't, you don't have like personal private names and, right, and right. addresses and I stuff. I just know now. that 15 people came from Facebook and 15 people bought a product, but I don't sure. know who those 15 people are. Sure. Right. But it's enough information to help you. To know that you it works. Said, yeah. And it works. You put more money into it. Yelp won't adopt that model. And so I always wonder if they know their advertising platforms bunk and the bottom line is really that you spend money like an idiot. You don't really you don't know how to use the platform, so you're just gonna keep dumping money into it without actually knowing if those dollars convert into anything and then they help get rid of reviews and it becomes a whole shell game. I don't know. Because it doesn't make sense to me that they would be that far behind. Well maybe they are. Maybe. Yeah, it is weird. Given yeah. given that most other with my I don't like info. it. I don't like it. Yeah. I get that sense. <laughs> Next topic? Yeah, I think we beat that one up. Now it's I'm it's all, interesting now I'm all riled up. I'm on a No, no, it's, but it's I'm interesting. Angry. I mean, it's like a lot of stuff we talk about. There's there's nuances, right? It's very nuanced. It's a whole yeah. different age, you know. That's right. Okay. Next topic, again, California just keeps throwing up gems. San Francisco's appalling street life repels residents. No. And now it's driven away a convention. <laughs> so no we get to rail against San Francisco? We never do that. We never do that, even though our main politicians come from that city. I, I will say that we have a homeless problem in general in the state. And coming from a big metro area like L.A., you know, there's no shortage of homeless people on the street. But the stories you hear out of San Francisco about mm. just people straight up going to the bathroom on the sidewalk and i think the new i think a quote from the new mayor i i her name is escaping me now she she just was interviewed and gave a quote to something to the effect of i've never seen so many so much feces in my life as if like there's first of all it's like a relative quota yeah Yeah, like a relative measure like wow in 2015 i thought it was bad but man it's really increasing you know weird London breed. Thank you. London breed. I think, again, a couple weeks ago, last week, something, she made reference to the fact that this is the most species she's seen. But it's organic, (laughs) so we'll let it stay. (laughs) We compost. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, There's a lot of conventions held. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but the Moscone. Okay, sounds right. Okay, we're going to go with Moscone. Conventions held at the Moscone Conference Center. And apparently, by, by city measurements, it pours about $1.7 billion into the local economy each year, right? So medical conventions, I'm sure a bunch of tech conventions, et cetera. Well, the, recently, there is an unnamed medical conference that, uh, that's been coming there every three or four years for the, since the 80s, I guess. They just kind of gave their notice, no go. So I guess they're going to have their convention. They, they're on the, the, the docket to have one in a year or two. Okay. That's it. But the reason why they said they're not coming is because yeah. their members don't feel safe right. in that city. And that's... Well, it's a sanctuary city. Everybody's safe. It, 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 so so I, we, we bring this topic up because this is where it's, it's going to get really interesting. In Now you're kind of getting real-world feedback. Real, the, the loop is closing between you have these policies and, and the... The feedback loop of the policies can sometimes take years, but 
this is a big sign of, okay, you, you let certain things happen and you had certain laws or lack thereof in terms of policing. Now you're going to start to experience, if this trend continues, you're going to start to experience financial ramifications. I'm so glad you looped this around to Gavin Newsom. Because oh, no, no, I, I know oh, that's oh, where oh. you were going with it. Oh, I essentially was saying those words without saying his name. Oh, of course. But just in case anybody didn't pick that up while they were listening to us. Just yes. in case you weren't sure who to vote for in the gubernatorial election. <laughs> Did you know that Gavin Newsom used to be mayor of San Francisco? You lie. Oh, jeez. Makes sense. Well, San Francisco obviously has this problem. And I know we all saw that one video clip of your random citizen who was going down the BART uh, transit facility and in the subway facility, it was lined up with homeless people. All of them were either doing drugs at the moment or they were in the middle of uh, their, their high, right? They're, they're right, wasted yeah. on the ground. You didn't know if they were alive or dead and you just kind of look forward and march ahead and, Speaking of dead, I, I got a quick audio clip. There's a there's a technology analyst, Rob Enderley. He was on ABC Seven News. L- l- listen to this little brief clip interview of his. I actually had to step over a dead body at one of the bus stops. Rob Enderley is a tech industry analyst. We spoke to him via Skype. It's just a lot easier for them to do it in Santa Clara or San Jose, and um, and a lot of them, of course, have defaulted to Las Vegas. Yeah, so he's referring to these, some of these tech companies also have switched their venue down to San Jose to have Uh-oh. their conferences. But, but, but how he starts off there, he literally stepped, he knows people who stepped over dead bodies right. at bus stops. It, it, it's getting to a ridiculous point where, oh, who, who was it? Uh, one of the city council members, they wouldn't, their own child didn't want to take the ride on the bus station because of all the homeless people who are just have just made an encampment of the place. Right. So I, I don't know how you correct it. This is kind of a problem statewide. I mean, honestly, oh yeah. no, we, we're, right. we're highlighting San Francisco, but right. This is a lot of places. Well, and I think San Francisco kind of kicked it off with being the Seattle of California, you know? I, well, it's a matter of, they can do whatever they want. We don't want to, you know, prosecute. I mean, prosecuting the homeless people is not a solution to the problem. Well, and you it's, know, got, it's got to be tied pretty close to the outrageous housing up there too. Oh, sure. Right? I mean, there's just nowhere to live and there's nowhere affordable to live. Well, the statistic so, I'm going to throw yeah. at you is the city of San Francisco, they spend $275 million on homeless. So that's about... What does that mean though? It's a great question. It's a great question. But it, it, when it know, comes down to the, to it's the a, person... It's a very broad topic. No, exactly. It's back, <laughs> it's back to this just the black hole that is a government program that has some sort of massive number assigned to it and no one really knows. Right. Cuz when you that. say 275 million dollars on homeless on um, whatever, whatever what homeless problems right? uh, programs I, that they have over there. Yeah. Well, interesting thing and it that didn't you work. ask. Let's, no, let's no, no, no. <laughs> it's just uh, getting well, worse. They're now planning to have two supervised injection sites by August, which will likely be followed by several more. So we're, we're going to have about shooting up. That's right. Uh, in a safe environment with blue lights. <laughs> so you can find your veins. Cause the worst thing we don't want are these people dying. They've been doing this for a while though. Haven't they? Some Not city. Ha- it was Toronto. Toronto. That's yeah. who it was. Wow. So instead of getting people off the opiates, let's just give them a safe place to inject. Right. 
Because it's it's the dirty needle that gets them. It's not the heroin. Well, we as the taxpayer don't want to get pricked by accident because it's about us. Right. Okay. Get it? Yeah. No, I buy it now. Yeah. Perfect. Makes perfect sense. Let's double it. 500 mil. It only comes out to about 40,000 per uh, per homeless person as it stands right now. Right. Because the, these safe shooting places have like registered nurses, physicians, all these uh, people there armed with Narcan so they can reverse the effects. I, but we're not really getting, we're not getting people off the problem. We're just giving them a, I'm sure it's a regular Mayo clinic. Right. It's gotta be. But one of the other reasons of course is staring us right in the face when it comes to the convention living town is because you can't find a hotel room in San Francisco. I mean, Let's yeah. get down to it. I mean, it's a really expensive place to live, let alone actually rent a hotel. And to that point, I mean, I the stat for this uh, this conference alone, they say it's an annual five-day trade show, 15,000 attendees, estimates to put $40 million into the local economy, probably a lot of which wow. is hotel, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So you talk about numbers of, of homeless spending of 270 mil. You got one conference that doesn't show up. You're talking about a serious chunk and the reason they're not showing up is for what apparently your $270 million is supposed to help. Well, now that's, if you're playing dollars and cents, $40 million out of the $270, you're going to have a, a little bit of a spiral problem here. I mean, they obviously have a problem. It's, it's, it's too damn expensive in that city to begin with. I mean, you look at the big Salesforce conference, Dreamforce, gets held in San Jose. They create their own city when, it, when that happens. And hotel rates quadruple or maybe even quintuple when they when that event is taking place it's a crazy scenario they say the same thing happened in 2017 apple and facebook moved their conferences down to san jose and they cited costs as the reason they did it yeah so okay so costs not homeless uh, okay that probably reads better on a, <laughs> on a headline or a reason in a newspaper article as to why they moved right but can't imagine it was just costs that played in so what is the solution? Again, magic wand time. Okay, well, magic wand time is for these businesses to move somewhere else. That's the real nitty-gritty of it. They have to be willing to take their workforce some other place. I don't know, well, Gary, so, Indiana, for example. Well, so are you, are you talking the problem? Are you talking about the inflated housing cost and cost of living, or are you talking about the homeless problem? I think they're linked. I think they're linked. Okay. We have, obviously, people are coming to the city for jobs. It's, it goes hand in hand. But why are they leaving other cities is because they don't have jobs in those areas. So we can solve the problem by moving these big businesses to another location. I know it's a hard thing to do. and I know people don't want to move to these locations. I mean, who doesn't want to live in sunny California where the temperature is perfect year-round? But the reality of it is, there's no space in San Francisco, let alone most of the other cities in, in California. And by moving it to middle America, you're helping them out by having a vibrant economy. And at the same time, taking advantage of the housing, uh, lower housing costs in those areas. And the best welfare is a job. I think you're right to a, to a point. Here's what I mean. And we've said the stat before on this, on this show but I think it was 2016, the statistic is that there were more housing units built in Houston and Dallas combined than the entire state of California. Now, I would agree with you that there's a space constraint 
in San Francisco, just like there is in Santa Barbara. I mean, you're talking geography at some point. I got it. But when you're talking about the state of California, no dice. We've got more space than... Yeah, we have a ton of open land. So it's a... there are other factors, yes, but at some point, the supply and demand matters. Well, interesting. We that you don't provide supply. We don't allow for it. The regulations. I was going to say, you, you brought up Houston. Houston has no housing regulations at Shocker. all. None. And they have the lowest square footage cost of housing in the country. If you don't think that that isn't, I, I understand the whole argument correlation well, is an equal causation country, and all that. Yeah. but but if that if you don't think that there's some sort of linkage between the two then that's crazy i mean we just simply don't allow houses to be built apartments to be built regulations help people right so how do you fix it i mean go back to my magic wand add more homes will that take care of the homeless it can't hurt I can't, I'm not going to say that just by easing all regulations of building homes, but you, you have to believe or imagine that there'd be some sort of trickle effect. I mean, we're talking about a city where $100,000 is considered poor. I mean, this is the reality that San Francisco is. I mean, a lot of people, and I'm not joking, are literally living in closets because they have no available space. And they're spending a good $1,000 for that closet. Right. So when you say more housing fixes homelessness, sure. Why the heck not? It would help certain people out, especially middle America. Right. I guess it would definitely help out those who are nearing homelessness because they can't afford what they're currently in. Right. Right. I think, yeah, affordable housing overall. Again, I'm not going to, to your point, I'm not going to say it's going to go down and immediately reach down to the very, very poorest, someone who's been homeless for, you know, years. Okay, it probably won't magically allow them to buy a thousand square foot home for ten dollars. Got it, but it will have effects. I mean, there there there's something to that connection between which we were talking about Houston and lowest square footage, et cetera. It's interesting because I was listening. I forgot what I was listening to maybe last week. They were talking about how oh I think it was Varney and Company. They had somebody on from the Las Vegas home market and how that used to be one of the biggest places to get a brand new affordable home. And now it's becoming super expensive, but they're not building as much anymore. Interesting. Right. So I'll buy the theory, you know, and I remember years ago, Vegas was the place to go. That was like, get a brand new track home, five bedroom house, super affordable. And now they kind of stopped building and now everything's super expensive. And also a quick reminder, we've talked about this topic on the show before. We're also talking about a city with rent control and major rent control. Yeah, right. That should have magically worked, right? I mean, why not? It, it was promised by the politicians. Everybody agrees it's a good thing. Nobody's willing to take it away. So Yeah, you're not going to go backwards on that. I mean, this is where we live. This is how it's going to be. And San Francisco is super liberal, and you'll never get a Republican elected, especially one that will be against rent control. The Ain't one to happen. The one, I'll give you another stat. One yeah. stat I came across in terms of tourism, they say it brings in about $9 billion a year. Total, you know, total flow through the economy right. employs 80,000 people in San Fran. So 
again, we don't know exactly how this, the people, conferences, lack thereof, attendees, all that is going to trickle, but this is not a great first sign uh, for us, for a city that I think heavily relies on their their uh, tourism attractions and, and conferences well, like there, this. There's definitely no net benefit. Right. Right. Like, I mean, it's not going to magically get better. And we see we see what bad policy does. I think California overall, I mean, you see what a super liberal blue state gets you. A ton of hopeless, a ton of homeless, a ton of non-affordable housing, um, and and a ton of regulation. I mean, we're regulating ourselves right out of homes, basically. I mean, even the San Francisco 49ers aren't even in San Francisco anymore. Right. <laughs> they got ran out of town. San Jose. They yeah. joined Apple and Facebook and moved yeah. their yearly conference. Well, because smart cities take advantage of it, right? I mean, you're, Should. you're San Jose and you see what's going on you know, north of you and you're like, well, hell, come down here. It's just like we talked about with the movie production stuff. I mean, other states see how California is just taxing the hell out of production companies and they say, this is easy. Tax-free, come over here. Boom, done, over. And you see a whole industry leave, you know, and you're starting to see Silicon Valley work its way south. Pretty soon they're just going to get out of Silicon Valley. I mean, we've already seen tons of companies go to Texas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're all yeah. going to move. Right. But back it's to, inevitable. Yeah. I don't know the last time you guys have, have done the drive up to the Bay Area, but it's funny. I mean, back to the space issue, San Fran, San Jose, pretty crowded. But the as you're driving south and, you know, between, uh, what is it, between? You leave uh, like Salinas on the 101. Yeah, and just, you're looking you're around. Like there's what? nothing, <laughs> you know. So the space, yeah. Again, there is some commuter uh, availability with Caltrain, those sorts of things. That, well, the bullet train. Oh, it's going to solve all our problems. Oh, that's true. We can live in like in uh, another decade. It'll Wasco. make it easier for the homeless yeah. to get from there down to L.A. and San Diego. They'll make and it in record time. It out. Yeah. <laughs> well, they won't. because <laughs> They got somewhere to be, baby. As, as we discussed, the train's not even going to go that fast. I wonder if that's going to be a pillar of Gavin's, uh, <laughs> Gavin's campaign in the fall. His pillar is the feces, the stack of feces piling up on the sidewalks. Well, I would say that's what his campaign's I mean, worth, but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that that's his legacy. San Francisco is for sure his legacy. And so then when we hear these stories, it's not like it magically appeared last week. I mean, this has been developing for a couple of years now. And now the liberals are even frustrated with it. Well, it's it, I always saw it in San Francisco where you'd see a, a resident, they'd march down the street, they got their earphones in, they're listening to their music. They're listening to our podcast, obviously, and they're ignoring the homeless people on the street. Every single one has got a dollar, got a dollar, and they they put their cans on and they march forward. I can't help you. Sorry. If I gave a right. dollar to everybody, I'd have nothing for myself. Right. Sorry. Got to keep moving, keep, keep pushing forward. Sorry, sorry, sorry. See you later. Mm-hmm. And eventually they stop saying sorry, and they just keep pushing forward. It's. I'm just speculating here, just trying to... Th- think forward but it's going to get really interesting as this potentially as this revenue decreases from tourism in the city they're going to have to what i guess issue bonds local bonds to uh, are you gonna as a taxpayer are you gonna pass and vote for a bond that is supposed to be for feces cleanup right i mean that 
is well, going to get weird real quick. Well, and then you, it's kind of like you saw or you're seeing in, in a San Diego with their homeless issue is the comeback of hepatitis, hepatitis. you know, oh, and, right. and they actually have like a state of emergency down there with their hepatitis problem. And you're, you're seeing these diseases come back that, you know, we're not talking about hep C. We're talking about like hep A and stuff, things that are contracted through that. L.A. had the same problem. But yeah, L.A.'s got not as bad, but almost as bad these days. Yeah, I mean, the homeless, they're obviously riding the rails and they're coming up to Los Angeles. And it's not even a joke. That's exactly what they're doing. Oh, albeit they're probably using other transportation. But they're bringing it from one area to the other, and they they move to what suits them best, and they're making camp in all these different places. Well, and, and they're the, living a free lifestyle. No, the problem is our our coast is so mild and moderate. Exactly right. Like no one's going to Bakersfield. Nope. To live homeless, it's much tougher. <laughs> much tougher. When, yeah. when they can cut through the the mountains and be in Pismo. Right. So I. I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is. A lot of bad policies have created where we're at right now, and I don't see uh, I don't I don't see anybody reversing that anytime soon. I'll tell you another one: um, minimum wage. Right, right. There's uh, you got to imagine, and again, this gets back to the whole like, well, no one's guaranteed just because you want to live in San Francisco means you you can, but the minute you start raising the minimum wage, which we're doing in this state. The minimum, the minute you do that, you also begin removing people from the workforce because their skills don't demand fifteen dollars an hour. They may demand eleven, they may demand twelve, but you've made that illegal. Well, don't forget that the minimum wage is higher in San Francisco to begin with. Yeah, there you go. So, so if that all worked, we wouldn't see anyone on the street. It's a lot of contributing factors, right? It's not. It's. I can't say it's you know boom you do this thing and and it's solved, but. Magic wand. Yeah. Bust that out, Louie. <laughs> nope. And if I had my three wishes, probably not going to use them on San Francisco. Ouch. Evil man. How about another regulation that's helping us out, John? Once again, topic three is about California. Okay. So California enacts a statewide soda tax ban. Okay. So here's, here's kind of the deal behind this. So the major beverage companies, Coke, Pepsi, um, they have a trade organization called the American Beverage Association. They backed a ballot measure in California that would have made it difficult to raise local taxes and fees for any reason whatsoever. And that included, uh, you know, beverage center taxes or even non-beverage center taxes. So uh, the measure would have forced supermajority rather than a simple majority, which is, I think, the key part, right? Um and votes to implement new local and te- new local and state taxes or raising existing ones. So now that the industry backed legislation barring soda taxes passed, the uh, the referendum measures supporters have agreed to pull it from the ballot, and they basically struck a deal. Um, yeah. So in this state, we have uh, certain laws that enable the legislature to enact either bans or high taxes on certain goods. Otherwise, it would go up to the Supreme Court and thus be banned, such such as like the tobacco laws. Right. You can't ban them outright. But apparently you can in California. We just choose not to. We choose to put a huge tax on it instead. It's not really 
something that we want to ban when we generate a revenue from it. So California is kind of in this interesting little mode where they're afraid of big business all of a sudden and they're unable to fight it anymore Mm -hmm. because the reality of it is they have no money to fight these problems. They just kind of go along with, they have a near supermajority so they can get anything they can, they want passed until it comes up against a big business that doesn't like what they're doing. Well, part of this was circling around, uh, like hyperinflating the tax on groceries, right? Wasn't that part of the approach? Was that it sets a precedent for a precedent for taxing groceries, and now you make groceries more expensive for those barely meeting totally regressive tax, right? Exactly. And so that was part of how they got around. It wasn't like this is a vice, like alcohol or, or cigarettes. They're lumping soda into other groceries and saying that. If we tax it now, we're we're affecting those who can barely make ends meet, anyways. Well, when this vote came down, it was pretty much party line for the most part. However, there were quite a few detractors on the Democrat side. Um, obviously, those uh, Democrats that voted for the repeal of the ban—got to get that right there. Double negative, right? Uh, they're the most up against the wall when it comes to campaign funds and their entire livelihood is to keep getting elected over and over and over again. So while some of them were right in getting rid of a tax simply because it's a tax, they weren't doing it for that. They weren't looking for the best interests of the taxpayers. They were looking for the best interests of themselves. Well, and to reference it again, because I think it's what we're talking about with the Hollywood stuff. Was this just liberals hooking liberals up? Exactly. Or was it actually uh, for the net benefit of the populace? Uh, It's hard to see that it was. Right. right? I mean, yeah. Well, when it comes to politics and left and right, I I can't imagine you look at, uh, not looking at this as an advantageous kind of thing and going, hey, we're the Republicans and we see that the Democrats are really afraid of big money and actually bringing things to a vote for people to decide. Because as we've seen time and time again, when, when the people actually have a vote, they don't actually side with the super left side of the, the Democrats. They're actually far more middle of the road kind of common sense things. They, they do like a lot of the things that the Democrats are talking about, but when it comes to higher taxes, it's a hard sell, and most of the time they have to be tricked into doing it where no means yes and yes means no kind of deal. So they're not in favor of more taxes. They're taxed enough already, <clears throat> Tea Party. But in essence, the Democrats are really scared of big business and the money that they can put into a campaign. I might, uh, Because of that, I'm actually surprised this wasn't pork rolled into something else. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Because this is totally something you can sneak in somewhere. I'm kind of surprised it it kind of went on went out on its own, but just another stupid tax. I I think you're. I mean, can't help but but continue to think about. Uh, does Seattle still have theirs in place uh, in the city? I I. I I remember these pictures. Have you guys seen the pictures of the from the Costco yeah. <laughs> in Seattle? 
where they basically it was the week after Seattle passed their soda tax. Uh-huh. And you'd see the price of a, uh, a box of soda. And it would give the original price. And then right below it, it would list the plus, you know, 50% or something. No, no, plus 50% because Uh, it's... And then Costco puts right up next to the price tag. It says, by the way, you you notice the increase in price is due to the recent uh, Seattle past soda uh, sugar tax. If you don't want to pay this tax, travel 15 miles south to our Kirkland store. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Granted, all these issues we're talking about here are statewide because that's what we do here in California. We don't leave a lot of things up to local the voter. governments yeah, right? or the them. voter. Forget that. So that would make that a little trickier. But what was the point of the soda tax? Was it just because it's unhealthy, so we want to make it no, cost no, it's, prohibitive? Uh, no, it actually, Louis, back, back to the whole concept, right, of big banner spent expenditures and, you know, black holes of, of government money, they were going to collect them. At least this is what they're going to do, quote unquote, in Seattle. They're going to collect this money to educate children on healthy lifestyle and choices. Oh, like D.A.R.E. Right. Like the, succe- the success of the D.A.R.E. program. The, no, that's exactly well, right. Well, yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. They're pushing the, uh, the soda tax basically across the U.S., but here in California, saying that the higher prices would reduce consumption Amid uh, growing rates of obesity, obesity, and diabetes, you don't need a class on why soda is unhealthy. You don't. Like I, <laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, uh, put out your fire when you're out camping. You know, Smokey Bear kind of deal. No, no, I, I get people's ignorance with like fire science. Okay, like there's just the person that walks away and they don't realize that a number can go, you know, a thousand miles and start a fire. Okay, I, I get people being ignorant and dumb. At this point, if you think soda is any kind of healthy beverage, you're an idiot. And on top of that, again, it should just be up to your parents or your guardian or whoever to say, hey, stop drinking the soda, try a water. Kind of like cigarettes are bad for you. Right. Like I don't think the giant, you know, Surgeon General warning on the front is really going to detract the person who is just getting into cigarettes. (laughs) Like if at this point you don't realize cigarettes are unhealthy, that soda is unhealthy. I don't think we need the government to be your parents. You Maybe know what's a viable alternative parents. is e-cigarettes, okay? God. I, it's the same thing, though. It's the government trying to be your parents. Exactly. Well, there's a problem with obesity. It's probably not the soda. It's probably everything else being consumed. It's the carbs. It's all that stuff. It's Coca-Cola, it's, Pepsi haven't just gotten invented in the last 20 years the government gave us the damn food pyramid and now we're realizing oh the biggest part of that the grains and the bread and the rice that was the worst part of it do over how many times they tell us eggs are healthy unhealthy healthy unhealthy cholesterol bad so we're going to trust them now with the soda like get out of the educating people about food you suck at it but you started the problem but if you start removing stuff like that from their plate no pun intended but if you start moving stuff from their plate back to what we started this episode about, what are they going to do when they are in session? <laughs> you know, they got to do something. <laughs> they got to pass stuff. Because That's we, why they skipped town need, for the summer. No, no, because we need help and and they can help us. Right. So what are, what are they going to do? Right. If, so if they're not doing this kind of stuff. Does it, I think what's interesting is, you know, a juice box has pretty much the same amount of sugar as a, a soft drink. I can right. believe that. Yeah. So I'm just going to spitball that a Capri Sun probably is close to a Coca-Cola in the same volume. 
at, at the same volume, sure. Right. For sure. Are we taxing sugary drinks just in general? Like juice boxes? I mean, I have um, to go to the store and take a look. What about what about sports drinks? Those are full of sugar too. What about Root. what about sugar free soda? Is that in there? They do get taxed the same rate. Yeah. So if you get a diet <laughs> coke that doesn't have sugar in it, they're supposed to be zero calorie, yet they uh, still assess the tax. Well, on they, it. they oh. use artificial sweetener. They don't use sugar. So I mean, what is the line here? Like, aren't there some? Aren't there some um, canned fruits or even? Some vegetables, I'm trying to think, but that are like suspended in high fructose corn syrup or... Oh, you can't peaches? Yeah. yeah. Those, those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. There's that. But then you've got... um, Who has a tax Naked stamp? juice just got right pumped down in court because it turns out that their juice drinks had like a half a percent of actual fruit in it. Well, yeah. I mean, when you flip it over, they <laughs> they, they tell you that. Like they, they have to change their labeling. They can't put a bunch of fruit and veggies on the front because like the spinach, kale, whatever, apple juice had like practically no kale in it. <laughs> it got waved by some kale yeah. in the processing plant. Yeah, I mean, those those drinks look healthy, and they have just as much, if not more, sugar. They're green. They're green, so we say they're healthy. So, I mean, if we're really trying to make a health initiative, I don't know why we're attacking soda. That seems like such a stupid thing it's to It's kind of like after. the blue raspberry kind of bit where you go, raspberries aren't blue. Why is it blue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn it. All the other sports drink flavors and everything exactly. else. Exactly, yeah. Is it that time? Sure. Is it time for the James Woods Tweet of the Week? God, that was loud. Still no new sound effect, but we're going to roll with it. Okay. So, Terry McAuliffe. Who's that, John? Isn't he the governor of Virginia? Oh. Okay. He tweets out the nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh will threaten the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come and will morph our Supreme Court into a political arm of the white right-wing Republican Party. I mean, you can almost hear, you know, the kind of the ominous tone and nature of the right. tweet. James Wood says, why is it always, quote, millions of Americans will die, end quote? Don't the Democrats have a second gear on the hysteria meter? tell you what this all this judge kavanaugh stuff is i this isn't even i don't even think they've sung the national anthem in this ball game yet this is gonna no. get crazy no they were they were looking at um they were looking at the fact that he used his credit card to make some purchases once and had a balance oh do you know what he bought wait, wait he, he what oh, he, do you know what wait, he bought no he had a balance yeah <laughs> oh you, not that he's know? in debt with it that he once had a credit card and put things on it you know what he bought what did he buy, Bobby? He bought season tickets to the Nationals game. That's right. That's right. He is a baseball fan, and he How dare is he as buy bad as Hitler. Right. Okay? We know nothing yeah. about him. This bad I, as I got a feeling we're going to have a lot of comments on this battle in future podcast episodes because this is going to get funny. Well, I think that's it, huh? I think so. Another successful week. Thanks for joining us. New episodes drop every Wednesday at eight. Yeah, uh, Wednesday at eight in the morning on uh, Apple iTunes and Google. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Don't forget to burn it all down.